Gamers as a whole spoke with their wallets in response to Diablo Immortal, and it went as predictably as it could. Plus, our cover artists of Nintendo music at a legal risk. Tonight is June 19th, 2022, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so not, you would say uh, even if... Blah, blah, blah. Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. <laughs> wow, what, what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Aki Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game. I just don't like it. Billy O'Kay says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore. What would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwell. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the pre-SGDQ edition of the Bobby Blackwell Show, where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry, as well as sometimes reminiscing about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here, uh, uh, live, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. We do tape the show live each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash VOG Network. Uh, That is where I'm going to be trying to read intelligent comments uh, from chat uh, throughout the night. And uh, hope to hear from you. If you cannot be here live, I completely understand this is a podcast uh, as well. Uh, we do have a Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. Uh, and that is where we are throughout the week, uh, to uh, where you can submit stories or talk about what you're playing. Uh, sometimes it's usually just about one game uh, that, that maybe we aren't going to be talking about on the show. But, uh, but uh, yeah, you can join us there and talk about whatever. Uh, it's a pretty chill server. It really is. Uh, and I really like the... The, the community here. And I will not be here next week, but we will get into that in just a second. So this is going to be the last show for, for at least a week, maybe for, for another week. But I do want to mention um, that uh, here in the United States, a new holiday uh, has, is, is being observed, uh, and it's called Juneteenth. And it's actually a lot of places are closed tomorrow. This is the first time it's a federal holiday. Uh, and Juneteenth, it's, uh, it should be an important day. Uh, in our nation's history. And if you don't know what Juneteenth is, it is uh, the commemoration of June 19th, 1865. Now, what this was is this is the day that enslaved African-Americans in Galveston, Texas, learned that they were free. So this is during the Civil War, because uh, even though the Emancipation Proclamation was signed on January 1st, 1863, uh, there was no Internet. So they didn't know. And, you know, there was a whole Civil War going on and uh they didn't you know they they were in the confederacy so it was just in the union but in june of 65 major general jordan granger and union troops landed in galveston texas to tell the enslaved african-americans living there that the civil war had ended and that they were now free and so juneteenth is june 19th and it is now a federal holiday uh here in the united states and many companies have it off i actually also have the day off tomorrow uh as a holiday and so uh, it is a very uh, important t- uh, date to remember uh, in our nation's history, and it's one that we have kind of recently learned about kind of in the general consciousness. It's not something that usually gets taught in schools over here. Uh, and that's a whole other topic for a whole other podcast that's not about video games. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so next week uh, I am not going to be here. I, I hopefully leave on a flight on Saturday. Now, I've read all the stuff about... All of the, uh, you know, all, all the all bunch of flights getting canceled. They're, they're overbooked, understaffed. 
uh, because this being Father's Day as well. So today is also Father's Day. Uh, and, you know, happy Father's Day, Father's Day to you. Anybody out there who does fatherly duties uh, it could be two-legged uh, little ones, four-legged little ones, virtual little ones. I mean, really, honestly, if you're still taking care of your chow on your VMU, happy Father's Day. Um, it, you know, I don't know if you're, you're actually taking care of your chow. But, yeah, anyway, you know what I mean. So happy Father's Day as well to all of you. Uh, so it was a big travel week, so I know a whole bunch of flights got canceled which is amazing. That's that's gives me a lot of confidence uh, flying home on July 3rd with July 4th being another um, be, being another uh, holiday. And uh, hopefully I will be back in time for the uh, that night on Sunday night on July 3rd to talk all about SGDQ. But I may not be able to. Uh, it really that is in Delta's hands uh, on if the flight back from Minneapolis is going to be uh, on time. But I definitely will not be here next week because I fly out Saturday and hopefully actually do fly out Saturday because uh, I really want to be there before then. But yeah, I'm going to be hosting at Summer Games Dunquick 2022 uh, reading your donation comments. It starts next Sunday uh, and goes on until the following Saturday and I am going to be working on Monday and Tuesday. These times haven't changed yet. They will next week. So go to gamesdonequick.com and click on the schedule to see when it's going to be in your time zone but on Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. Eastern uh, about about 8.30 a.m. Eastern on June 27th. Livestar is going to be running McDonald's Treasureland Adventures on the Genesis. Right after that, Puchilin is going to be running Nights into Dreams on the Saturn. Uh, and then uh, right after that, May the DKC is going to be running The Pathless. Uh, and that's going to be about a two-hour run. So I'm going to be on from about 8.30 until about 11.30 a.m. Eastern. And then the next day, Tuesday, June 28th, at about 3.30 in the afternoon. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be later than that. They're going to be behind schedule. Uh, the four-hour run of Yakuza Like a Dragon, uh, it's going to be amazing. We're gonna, it's going to be great. If you do donate... Uh, you can use at the end of your donation, put the hashtag VOG Network, V-O-G Network, and uh, you can uh, put that in there. But uh, And that will be more likely to make it through me. Two people read donations before they, I even see them. So if it doesn't get read, it's not because I didn't like your donation. It's because somebody in front of me didn't like your donation. Uh, do not put in any inside jokes because they're going to reject those. Because if they don't know what the inside joke is, they're going to err on not having it aired on their Twitch channel of 100,000 viewers or more. Uh, do not mention the podcast or the network because I cannot self-promote, which means I also cannot read your donation that promotes me or anything else on the network. Don't do that. Uh, make it about the run or an incentive or a prize or something. Make it about the event because this event's really about the run and the runners. But but if I see your donation and it's got the VOG Network hashtag, I will try to read it at some point because uh, I get to do that. Uh, that That is one of the things I am allowed to do. I just can't do it much. I'm supposed to prioritize the runner's community, and that's the way it should be. Uh, as Jeremy uh, Matt said, I wanted to beat Like a Dragon before this run. I guess I only got a few days. Um, and can we ask Fru what he thinks about Bulbasaur? That was last year's meme. I'm hoping there's going to be a new meme. I can tell you Froob absolutely, positively does not want to sing Bakamatai. And there is an incentive to do karaoke, and he does not want to sing Bakamatai. Uh, I don't know how big that incentive is going to be, but I am going to be pushing it very, very much because I want Froob to sing Baka Matai live on stage. So, um, so yeah, and I will also say that for the most part, 
Uh, you're good. Yeah, actually, you're going to get spoiled. If you haven't beaten Like a Dragon, you want to know how it ends, you're going to get spoiled because Froob does actually give story context and he explains the story. So you are going to get spoiled. He he does a very good job of explaining what's going on and why things are happening, as well as explaining his tricks. So when um, SJ Ronomat says donations in haikus are a meme every year, I like limericks when, they, when I would get limericks. Those were fun. Um, but yeah, haikus are every year. And who knows? Who knows what meme they're going to be spouting off. It is going to be early in the week, so it's got to be something that happens on the first day. But uh, there, there's going to be something. There's going to be a live crowd. It's going to be great. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's getting real. They actually show up Wednesday to start setting up. So it starts for some people on Wednesday. I'm not going to get there until Saturday, hopefully. Delta willing. My flight leaves here at like noon. And I live in Atlanta, so like there's going to be there's like six flights going to Minneapolis, and I just hope that mine makes it. This week, mine made it. The Saturday flight that I'm on, uh, it it was on time, and it made it to Minneapolis just fine this weekend. So hopefully, that carries on. That is going to be next week, and uh, I uh, hopefully will be back the following Sunday. Uh, if my flight does not get canceled or delayed, it lands at four o'clock, which gives me more than enough time to get up here. Uh, and I'll be taking my video camera. So if you've ever wondered what it's like at a games done quick in person, uh, I will try to give you some of that behind the scenes. Cause you don't really see that part. They don't show it ever on the stream or anything. Uh, but uh, it has been explained to me like it's, it, it's a cruise without being on the water and with you, you're able to leave at any time. Uh, but it's like a gaming cruise. Usually they have for the entire week, they've got an arcade set up 24 uh, seven. They've got a board game room where you could check out board games. They're not doing that this time around because they don't want you sitting around touching other people's board game stuff. Uh, that's not going to that's not going to stop some people from bringing their own board games. You're just not going to be able to check out from a board game library. Uh, they used to have panels. They're not doing the panels this year uh, for 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 covid reasons. Uh, but but it is like a week long gaming convention, which with only like a couple thousand people, so it's very small and tight knit, uh, and and it's going to be very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what goes on behind the camera. And I'm going to be taking my video camera there, and I'm going to show you what I can. I'm not going to go backstage or anything like that. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, and S. Jared Matt says, did you find out if you're going to have to announce through a mask or you can't say yet? Uh, no, they are still like. Uh, so, so in terms of safety, uh, they games done quick is going above and beyond, uh, even CDC recommendations. Uh, so they are requiring everybody to be vac- uh, vaccinated and boosted. And you have had to have gotten the booster shot two weeks before the event starts. Uh, one person I know that because I'm in the event discord, uh, they were like, yeah, I got my booster on like last, like I was getting my booster scheduled and I can't legal, I can't get it. Uh, medically until June, until tomorrow, basically June 20th. And they're like, well, we're going to have to cancel your reservation because you, you're not considered, um, you're, you're not considered eligible to attend unless you've had your booster shot for two weeks. And even though you can't medically get it until June 20th, we hope to see you in, in January. So uh, they are doing that. Uh, Everybody is going to be wearing N95, KN95 at all times, even on camera. So, or uh, even on camera, even behind the mic, because producers may walk up to you. There are a lot of immunocompromised people that attend GDQ and work GDQ, so they're trying to keep everybody safe. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, they have not dropped any COVID protocols, which is, uh, looking at the numbers, it's probably a good thing. Um, you know, the, the, the scariest time is going to be on the airplane. 
in terms of that. So, uh, so yeah. So and and we all agreed to it. Uh, and I'm not mentioning it because I'm complaining or anything. I agreed to the rules. I could have opted not to show up if I didn't want to do that. And so I agreed to the rules. I bought a pack of 20 N95 masks that are really, that are, you know, that, that work well. I've been wearing them, uh, for the past couple of weeks just to get used to them. Uh, and, uh, the audio engineers are going to know how to work through N95 masks and adjust the level. So you're not going to be able to tell that they're th- speaking through a mask. So, uh, so yeah, so it's going to be a very safe event. I'm more worried about the air flight, uh, the, the flight up, uh, than I am about the event itself, but I am going to be going out also in Minneapolis. I'm going to go visit the mall of America. I've never been there. So I'm going to go do that touristy thing, go see the Lego stuff because everybody tells me the Lego store is amazing there. Uh, and, and. And yeah, we're also going to have to go eat, you know, because we can't just like, you know, not eat food for a week. But uh, but yeah, so it's going to be uh, be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it, getting to meet some of the people I've gotten to work with virtually for the past two years. Uh, it's going to be really cool uh, to actually meet some people. Some people, one person actually like lives like not too far from me. And I'm like, yeah, even though we live like 15 miles apart, which is still two hours away in Atlanta. Atlanta is two hours away from Atlanta. He lives like 15 miles away. But yeah, we're, we're not going to meet for the first time until we're both in Minneapolis. That's how it works. GameStunQuick.com. All next week. monkey 11 says, just dump some food in your mask and eat from that when you're hungry. No. That is going to be a... No, I'm not going to do that. So let's get into some of the news. I was actually kind of scared because uh, I, I went to a soccer match today. Uh, so I got home about, you know, 7.30... So that's the show started a little bit late because I was still trying to get all this stuff up. And I'm like, man, it's a slow news week uh, because, you know, I like to talk about the actual news that that came out, not necessarily specific games that just came out. Uh, And uh, let's talk about Diablo Immortal, because we've already talked about this a little bit. And uh, this this went exactly the way that I thought it would. Uh, So Video Games Chronicle reports that Diablo Immortal has earned Blizzard more than $24 million during its first two weeks of availability. Diablo Immortal. It's got gotcha mechanics. It could cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to get everything in it. Uh, there's a little thing on GitHub somebody made that could that simulates the experience of buying $25 packs. And you can then see how long it takes for you to get a five-star item. And the, when I ran it, it was like... Uh, it, it took actually, let, let's do that. Let, let's do that live on air. Let me find this link again, uh, because this was awesome. Uh, somebody had shared it in our discord and I've just got to go find the link again. So there, there's, there's this thing that, uh, that somebody made that simulates the rift. So you can, you can just waste $25 and it will actually, you know, do the, the gotcha mechanic and, you know, say, okay, well I got all one star items. So uh, one star gems, and they've got they've got different star gems, but you can also calculate the cost of a five five gem. So this will actually just keep running, and they take in the actual odds of the gotcha mechanic. This is actually good. It only took me five hundred dollars, and I got two five star gems. The when I ran this earlier, I had to I had spent in this virtual money like two thousand dollars before getting a five star gem. So, you know, you can sit here and, and I, I just ran it again and I got another five star gem after spending seventeen $1,750, $1,750. And that's that much has only gotten me three five star gems. 
And Questbuster says that's super lucky. Yes, it was uh, like the first time I ran it, I think it was like $2,000. It was around $2,000 before I got my first five-star gem. Uh, and so it actually hit within $500. So that was kind of that, – that, that was a lot. I'm running it again. We're, we have now spent over $3,000. We have not hit a five-star gem yet. We've now crossed $4,000. Uh, and still have not hit a five star. Wow, we're keeping on going. Now we are spending over five thousand dollars to get a five star gem. And so this is the gotcha mechanic in Diablo Immortal. If you want really good stuff, uh, now I'm getting now I'm getting uh, trolled here. It's it's still going. I have not received a five star gem. We are crossing eight thousand dollars of my virtual money. I hit the first two in the five hundred dollar pull after spending five hundred dollars. The second one it's seventeen fifty. Uh, and now we are about to spend $10,000 up oh, there. Nope. $9,550. I got my fourth five-star gem. So about $7,000 later, I got another five-star gem. Questbuster says a streamer live streamed spending around $15,000 until they got a five-star gem. And then they fed the gem into one-star gem and deleted the account. I'm not that rich. I'm not doing that. This was on GitHub. It's linked in our Discord and a Twitter. There's a Twitter post in the Orange Lounge Radio uh, text channel that takes you to this simulator. Uh, but anyway, so we all said when this came out, oh, you know, we're gamers, you know, we're going to reject this. We're going to reject this. This is not where we want the industry to go. Uh, yet, uh, Blizzard, uh, $24 million, probably all from streamers saying, I'm going to spend $15,000 to get a, a five-star gem and, and then delete the account. Blizzard's like, thank you. Th thank you for your money. Uh, so that's according to data from market intelligence tool App Magic, first published by Pocket Gamer, which shows that the mobile title was downloaded over 8.5 million times during the same time period. This reportedly makes Diablo Immortals Blizzard's second highest earner in the mobile space behind the mobile version of its card game Hearthstone. Uh, the game is reportedly most popular in the U.S., where users accounted for 43% of all revenue, while South Korea provided 23%. Japan, Germany, and Canada made up for 8%, 6%, and 3%, with the remaining 17% of revenue coming from other markets, not China. Imagine how much more money they would have gotten if had China allowed them to release in China. But right now, China is not allowing any new games to be licensed in the country uh, they are currently trying to curb um, what they claim to be uh, addiction, gaming addiction. So they are not licensing, even from Chinese companies like Tencent, aren't allowed right now to have new uh, new games, uh, new games made, new games released. So they can only play the games that have already been released. Nothing new is being uh, accepted by their regulatory uh, authority. So. Uh, gamers voted with their wallets uh, to the tune of $24 million in two weeks. And uh, yeah, it's going to be here to stay. Because with as much hemming and hawing as we have done here uh, in this community, people watching here on Twitch, uh, other people are going to pay it. more For every one of us that's like, we're going to reject this, uh, there's five other suckers out there that are going to pay 25 bucks to get these loot boxes, uh, this riffs, these gems. So that's uh, that's exactly how I thought this was going to go, because we all I, I heard the same thing about DLC when the horse armor showed up in uh, in Oblivion. 
the which is essentially the first DLC. Uh, if you don't remember, this is ancient history at this point, but on the Xbox 360 game Oblivion, it was the, basically the first game that had DLC. And it was a $2.99 piece of horse armor for your horse in Oblivion. And we all said, this is terrible. This is not where we want the gaming industry to go. And, yeah, maybe people didn't buy the horse armor specifically, but they bought other cosmetic items and other companies tried it. And and it turns out, no, we absolutely will buy DLC as a whole. Uh, you know, I think there's a quote from uh, Men in Black, and I think it's from Men in Black. And it's uh, Tommy Lee Jones's line. He said, a person is smart. People are dumb. So individually, a person can be smart. But people as a whole generally are dumb. And uh, I'm pretty sure that came from Men in Black. I'm not going to say that was like Socrates or anything like that. That's a movie quote. But that's essentially what we're going to be dealing with is that while those of us who consider ourselves smart... um said this is never going to fly this is going to flop uh the public in general the dumb people around that that make us collectively uh we all uh we 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 we're proving them that this is a good thing rob robert says uh in fact the dead game pokemon go just passed 6 billion dollars in revenue so diablo has a long way to go um it's been only 2 weeks Let, let's not Compare something that came out in, what, 2016 to something that came out two weeks ago. S. Jaron Matt says, Sadly, oftentimes these companies give popular streamers free in-game currency to help promote the game because if viewers watch their favorite streamer open these boxes, then they themselves, the viewer, will be inclined to buy some of these boxes. I can tell you right now, EA does this strategy with Ultimate Team streamers. I am not surprised. I would not be surprised if MiHoYo did that as well for Genshin Impact. Um, because I know that became, that was a Twitch sensation for a hot minute was Genshin Impact. And Robert, Robert says, even at a billion a year, the math doesn't track yet. No. And, and I mean, I'm not, no, I don't think Diablo Immortal is going to p- surpass Pokemon Go, but it's not the financial disaster that we all hoped it would be because our fellow gamers didn't want it to be. ZenMonkey11 says, even without streamers, sucker uh, sucker people would buy it. Sucker gamers would buy it. Uh, it's not the streamer's fault. And Mike Depp does say, DENA does the same for Pokemon Masters. Um, and Questmaster says, Genshin Impact makes about $1 billion uh, every four months. And that's considered a relatively passive gotcha. Thankfully, like, I've played Genshin Impact. I kind of I enjoyed it, and I never did spend a penny. Uh, so, uh, but I also didn't get too far because there's a stealth section and I checked out at the stealth section. I got about 10 hours in and then it's like, Hey, at night you need to sneak through this cathedral to, uh, continue the story. And I'm like, I'm out. See ya. I got caught twice and I'm like, I don't like stealth. Everybody else is like, that was such an easy stealth section. Just watch a speed runner. They'll like, you know, show you the exact path to go through it. No, I'm not going to do that. So, uh, Thank you to the rest of you who who all bought uh, Diablo Immortal loot boxes and riffs and gems. Uh, so this is a kind of a side story that I read about, and it's kind of interesting because I, I used to have to d- worry about music copyrights a lot when uh, I ran a shoutcast station. When the Voice Geeks Network was the shoutcast radio station, we kind of like had to knew where where the legal gray areas were that we we were in. 
uh, and be prepared that, uh, you know, if somebody had a vendetta against us, they could just report us and, you know, we'd, you know, I'd lose my house. So uh, this is kind of an interesting story because there's a couple things that don't really add up on this, but it's also kind of interesting to see how Nintendo is kind of manipulating the law to their effect if they are actually doing this. Uh, So Nintendo Life reports that Cinemax, which is S-Y-N-A-M-A-X, so it's not the cable TV channel that, as kids, was scrambled and we tried to, you know, look through the scramble. Anyway, uh, he has a total of 6,000, about almost 7,000 subscribers. So not that big, not not that big of a a streamer. Uh, Posted a video on his channel addressing uh, an issue uh, about uh, Nintendo taking him uh, taking down his uh, his covers. He's a cover musician, and uh, he does covers of Metroid songs. And Nintendo uh, had him take it down. So uh, he said, "quote I'm really disappointed in Nintendo that they would force me to take down these videos because they want compulsory licenses." I think it's important to point out that this only applies to music that's copyrighted by Nintendo. My research videos about the music from Metroid Prime, as well as the music done in the style of Kenji Yamamoto, those things are all okay because that's not copyrighted Nintendo music. However, a recreation cover or just a cover in general or any sort of remix that unfortunately cannot be done without compulsory licenses, unquote. He does say uh, that he'd rather Nintendo take... uh, taken over the monetization of his videos rather than remove them entirely as had been done with a couple of other unrelated content from his channel due to the fact that he only does this work for fun and not for money, but he is still monetized on YouTube. Uh, He says, quote, why can't Nintendo go down this route? Why can't Nintendo do this like everyone else? Why does my recreation cover have to be removed when the song it's based off has never seen any sort of official soundtrack release? It's obvious that there's a strong market demand for Nintendo to release this music outside of the game it was written for. Nintendo can easily capitalize on this market, but they refuse to do so. The whole situation has left a really bad taste in my mouth, and once I'm finished editing these Metroid videos that are currently in the pipeline, there's only a couple of uh, left. I'm done. So there's a couple things in here that um, I kind of picked up on. And one of them is that the, the headline in this has a very important distinction that I have not seen happen with Nintendo lawyers yet. They called him. They didn't send a cease and desist. They did not contact him through any, uh, red, you know, any traceable means. They called him. So, A, I'm sitting here going, did Nintendo actually call him? Because that's not something that happens. Uh, A a lawyer will not just pick up the phone and call you to tell you to stop doing something. No, they're going to send you a letter. It's going to be a certified letter sent certified mail, and they're going to send it to you. That way they have acknowledgement that you received it. And they can defend in court, oh, yes, we sent this takedown. It was received. The post office marked it delivered on this date at this time. Um, So that is like the first kind of red flag because this is a YouTuber. And I I honestly haven't listened to any of the stuff. Uh, But the YouTuber, you know, doesn't have that many subscribers. So this is a great way to get media attention, right? So Fifth Dream says, so fake. I'm not saying it's fake. But I'm saying that that part first doesn't add up because Nintendo lawyers don't call you. They send you a, a message. And so this could be somebody calling, acting like they're Nintendo's lawyers. Or the call may not have happened at all. But let's assume that the call happened. 
and there's something really interesting because music licensing is so complex. It's more complex than you think. And I knew about the compos- the two licenses that that I worried about most uh, when doing uh, the 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 when doing the radio station and being a radio uh, station manager at two different online radio stations, uh, neither of which exist anymore. Not my fault. But there are there's the composition license, which is the actual written words, the, the written music, the actual composition that can be written out of sheet music. And then there's the mechanical license, and that's the recording. So, like, for instance, the composition license for a, a Beethoven piece that's in the public domain. The composition itself is in the public domain um, because copyright does not last for hundreds of years as much as Disney would like it to. So the composition license is, is, is public domain. However, the mechanical license, that's the recording. That's the mechanics of it. And so the uh, London Symphony Orchestra uh, playing a Beethoven piece, you would probably, you know, the, 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 simplest thing in your mind is oh well beethoven's been dead for hundreds of years that's safe to play no not necessarily the recording of the london symphony orchestra playing that beethoven piece is still part of the mechanical license they still have the license to that that is not in the public domain so you do have to be careful with that and that's why when i see people saying oh i stream forza and i just stream the classical channel that can still be dmca'd because it is the the recording is still under copyright, even though the notes that they are playing are no longer on, under copyright. So he brings up a compulsory license. Now, there was a Twitter thread uh, by uh, at Subversive Asset, and the bio for this person says they're a tax accountant by day and a, a video game music cover artist by night. So they've, you know, kind of know some stuff about, the, you know, legal wordings and licenses and, and, and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm inclined to take what they're saying. Uh, inclined to what they're saying uh, with a little bit more merit. And there's a couple things in this that that this person says doesn't add up. Um, Compulsory licenses is what was actually referenced, not the mechanical license and not the uh, composition license. Compulsory licenses um, are different. So there are limitations to compulsory licenses. So it is one that the copyright owner must accept. So if you pay the compulsory license for a song, the copyright owner must accept that license. They cannot, by law, reject it. So if the cover musician fits the terms to be protected by a compulsory license, the copyright holder cannot say no. If Nintendo were asking people to compulsory license, this would actually be a very good thing. The problem is that compulsory licenses are not available for everything because of the limitations of what they apply to. And Nintendo's own actions directly contribute to why compulsory licensing is not available for many Nintendo-managed copyright compositions. So, compulsory licenses only apply to music that has been commercially released in the United States. So, the main problem here is that Nintendo rarely does official commercial releases. This means that compulsory licenses are impossible. There are other restrictions. Uh, One is that it applies to only an audio-only re-recording of a song. YouTube videos are not licensable by compulsory license because the video component requires a separate sync license because you're synchronizing the audio to video, and that is not necessarily covered 
under a compulsory license. This is to stop people from using a compulsory license to put Nintendo music in their movies without paying for, for a, a specific sync license. Uh, sync licenses are not compulsory. This means a copyright holder can refuse to grant them or make whatever onerous terms for granting the license. This is a huge issue for YouTube cover musicians because it means all YouTube videos are at risks. Even if the YouTube video has a still image on it, that is still a video component, even though that video is just a still image. So YouTube has content ID manage, uh, matches. This is an extra legal system. The law does not require this. But the hope is that content ID match will serve as kind of a sync license. But content ID is not perfect. It's got a gray area. Uh, there was a thing about the Deltarune, uh, Deltarune Undertale music getting flagged. That's because it has been entered by the copyright owners, uh, ASCAP, and content ID flags it. And you can't tell YouTube, hey, if this content ID matches, do nothing. There is no do nothing. It, it, YouTube will automatically flag it. There's not much that Toby Fox can do about that. Um. Can a copyright holder withdraw the, the sync license and take it down anyway? But there's another problem here. Nintendo are not registered in Content ID. You have to have your song commercially released in the United States to be registered in Content ID. Nintendo is not registered. So even if a YouTube cover musician wanted their cover to be claimed as safe, uh, and yes, a claim is better than a takedown, they cannot because the game publishers aren't in the system. That means that all cover musicians in YouTube are at risk. You can license a lot of music for audio-only release, but there's still a lot of uh, place, pieces you cannot license because they aren't released in the U.S., but nearly every YouTube video game cover is a gamble. While it is unfortunately totally believable and within Nintendo's business style to take down fan content, the, the option uh, that uh, Cinemax implies of getting a compulsory license is generally not an option here, and a Nintendo lawyer would know this, so there must be some misunderstanding. So is Nintendo specifically avoiding releasing tracks uh, in the U.S. to avoid the place, uh, pieces being licensable? That's a good question. Uh, but it's very curious how a lot of these re uh, releases are Japan only, and Japan does not have compulsory licenses. So convenient. Um, and also, licenses only apply to non-dramatic music works. So just because the game is released commercially in the U.S., and the game has the music in it does not make the music licensable. So, like, there's the music in the film versus the music in the standalone soundtrack. Two different things. Also, remember when Nintendo released 700 music pieces as part of Smash Ultimate, but only in the Nintendo Switch player, not on Spotify? Did they do that so they wouldn't have to compulsory license all of it? I don't know. But uh, yeah, since the, since the music player is in Smash Ultimate, that is not a standalone music release. That is in a dramatic context, even though you can put your Nintendo Switch to sleep and carry it around like a huge iPad, iPod. Remember when we had iPods? iPods don't exist anymore. Kids soon are going to be like, what's an iPod? You mean your MP3 player and your phone were two different devices? Yeah, yeah. My, my my phone was in my left pocket, and my iPod Touch was in my right pocket, and I was amazing. That, that I, I was awesome. I was hip. Back when you actually like had a little wire hanging from your earbuds so people knew you were listening to something instead of having little pods that you could lose. Yeah. 
So are Nintendo cover artists in trouble? I I am skeptical of the fact that an actual Nintendo lawyer contacted him. Uh, I am skeptical of that, but I cannot prove a negative. I cannot prove that it didn't happen. Uh, you cannot prove a negative. That is actually a, it's a fallacy. You cannot prove a negative. I am skeptical that somebody called because Nintendo generally sends you a certified letter. Uh, you can ask anybody who's received a uh, cease and desist from Nintendo. They send a letter. They don't call you up. And Tiger Claw says, if only they use something like Creative Commons licensing. I, I don't think Nintendo wants you to be able to, to, to do this without them getting money. Like, I think that's the point here. Um, and this is something that, that is more than just music. Uh, legally, if you go to a convention, which I know some of you don't go to conventions anymore, and that's fine. But if you go to a convention, you go down Artist Alley. And somebody has, uh, an artist has painted a painting of a Nintendo character, of Samus. Nintendo can take that down, because that is using Nintendo's IP. And if that artist is selling it, Nintendo can come in and say, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to sell that. That is our content. Um, e even though the painter painted it, they painted it without the proper license. Uh, it's just we are lucky enough that all the studios, uh, anime studios, video game studios, generally turn a blind eye to Artist Alley. But just about anything in Artist Alley uh, that is pop culture related uh, is legally not allowed. It is not legal. Uh, it's just the companies don't care. So music is the same way. It's the YouTube, and it's with the, with respect to the music. It's the YouTube videos that are really the issue. You can get, you can do it for like audio only, and because like that's how Overclock Remix works. But Overclock Remix then makes YouTube videos, and that means that yes, they are in trouble maybe for the YouTube videos. Um, and technically, I mean, we we play them on Twitch, and theoretically, we could be in trouble for playing a Metroid OC Remix on here. Uh, because this is this would be a sync license because there's a video going along with the audio. Mike Def says it's not worth the legal process to sue all the people selling stuff in artist alleys, and that that's really what it is. It's like you know, in numbers, but you know, with YouTube, there's technology and bots involved. And Questbuster says so. Apparently, Nintendo's content distribution operates using 4D chess rules. Yes. Tackle says Sega is a company that thrives on other people making remixes of their music. Yes, Sega has done a really good job of embracing the fan community with like even fan games and stuff like that. Uh, so good guy Sega on that one. Uh, but um, not every company is willing to go that far. Um, even Star Wars puts limits on what fan movies you can make, even though there's a whole fan fan movie culture. Uh, Star Wars Lucasfilm does put limits on what you can do with the Star Wars property in your fan film. But they they at least give you limits. Nintendo's just like, no. Because Nintendo's taken down a whole bunch of stuff on YouTube, and since it's not in Content ID, they're doing it all themselves. Claw says, you get the original composition that are in the uh, public domain and record your own version of it that is unique to you and you know, no one else can copyright that, so no one nobody copies what you did. Uh, yes, that's... Like, that is how you're supposed to do it. Uh, you know... And it's also, it's it's the mechanical license is kind of the same thing in photos. We talked about cameras. But the reason, like, the paparazzi can exist, 
uh, taking pictures of actors and actresses is that the copyright holder in that in that sense, if somebody films, um, takes a picture of you in public, you do not own that photo. The person who took the picture owns that photo. That's their copyright, even if it is of you. And even if you are maybe performing, you do not own that photo of you performing. The person who took the photo does, which there was a, a really interesting uh, law case about 10 years ago, uh, like in like the African rainforest or something. There was a, a nature photographer. And uh, filming gorillas or or chimpanzees or something like that out out in, out there, and one of the chimpanzees picked up his camera and actually took a photo of the photographer with the camera. Um, and he tried to he make money off of it, and the courts actually ruled, no, you didn't take the photo. The chimpanzee owns the photo. Not you, the photographer, even though it was your camera, your film, and you're the subject, you didn't actually take the photo. So it's really interesting. I, I don't have it on. I just thought of it off the top of my head. Remember that story. So I don't have all the details of it. But uh, that was a really fascinating case of, you know, copyright since who owns what when it's when there's multiple things involved. Uh, E3VL says, did the chimp get royalties? Like I said, I don't remember. I'd have to go look. But I do remember this story, and it's like a legal study, like they teach it in law school, uh, about you know about photographic copyright and stuff like that. So, uh, speaking of remixes, we're going to take a quick music break, and then uh, I'll come back, and I'm going to talk to OLR because I'm not going to get to talk to them for a week, and uh, there, there's a big, big anniversary for OLR. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk to them after the break here. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show. You're in the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash vognetwork. This is Commodore Lawson of the LTE Bridge, and you're participating with the Bobby Blackwolf Show. That's right. The Orville's back. So that's why I'm playing Star Trek stuff, because Orville is just Star Trek the way it's supposed to be. I haven't seen Strange New Worlds yet, so there might be other Star Trek that I should really be watching, but I don't have Paramount Plus yet. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so uh, usually what I like to do uh, is I do like to take calls, and we actually have a call in the green room. So, even though I said we were going to talk to OLR for a little bit, we're going to, I'm going to take this call and see uh, what they want to talk about. Bobby Blackwell Show, you are on the air. Who is this? Hey, this is Mike Deft. Mike Deft, what's going on? Well, I want to talk about a game you haven't talked about or nobody has talked about yet. Okay. And that game features uh, an animal, too. Okay. And you beat up stuff, too. Okay. And it's called Tunic. Tunic. Tell me about Tunic. It, it, so far, I haven't beaten it yet, but so far it has. It's probably gonna be my game of the year. So, so what? It, what is it like? What, like, is, tell us about it. Ba basically, the game is uh, it's Zelda like. You you yep. explore. You uh, explore dungeons. Uh, beat enemies, and there's uh, like 
there's I don't want to spoil the story too much because it's uh, there's some twists here and there that make make the game like really really enticing and really really like so good. Uh, but but the game is basically exploring. You have to explore. You have to to get some stuff. But 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 the good but the marvelous part of about Tunic is that mm-hmm. the game doesn't give you like contextual clues. You have to mm-hmm. find uh, pages of of the manual of the of the game manual, mm-hmm. and have to like basically know or, or decipher what it's trying to to tell you. It's it's kind of obtuse, obtuse in some way, mm-hmm. but once you get it, it's like you get it. It's, it it will make a click like instantly. Mm-hmm. That oh, this the manual is saying this and that, and, and I'm seeing on the video right now that. Mm-hmm. that it features the manual, yeah, and like it only featured the map, but there's so much to the manual that it's gonna be like really, really important for uh, for anyone playing is uh, playing it mm-hmm. to decipher everything because uh, again, the, the the game like it really, really excels in that in the mystery and trying to uh, solve every every puzzle, every every everything in the game. Mm-hmm. And again, the mystery in the story too, because there's like really, really, like weird stuff, like eerie stuff going on on the background. Mm-hmm. And and it, again, it's like really, really good. Uh, I, I cannot recommend it in, in, enough because it's like, uh, again, it's the it's the in the title. It's like probably not many people are gonna check it out mm-hmm. because of that. But the game is is uh, it's so well done. It's like. Uh, I'm, I'm, like uh, the last time I call, I I was asking what game should I play for uh for Game mm-hmm. Pass since I got my Xbox yeah Series X. Tonic is the one I had mm-hmm. I have been playing like for weeks now <laughs> because it's again it's yeah. so good and I and I haven't finished it. It's like I'm trying to get everything and I haven't beaten the final boss mm-hmm. because of of all the exploring you have to do. Yeah. And and again, it's it's like really rewarding too. Mm-hmm. It's it's it, it feels so good to play this game. It's that I, that's my summary of it. So does it feel a little bit like maybe like and in terms of just like the feeling you get when playing? Obviously, it plays different than this game, but like Fez, where you're trying to do this exploring and trying to figure out all the puzzles, and you don't need to figure out all of them to beat the game, but you want to. Maybe I ha- mm-hmm. I didn't play Fez all the way, so I cannot say that mm-hmm. if it's like that exa- exact same uh yeah uh thing but but it does like it it, it, it actually does like in, in incentivize you to to at least get all the pages of the manual or most of them at yeah. least so yeah uh my my only gripe with this game just to uh make this call a little bit quicker mm-hmm. is the combat because it's it's more like souls like oh geez. so yeah, you have to to hit, uh, know your your roles, know when to evade enemies, that stuff. But once you get the hang of it, it's like okay, you you get it too, and mm-hmm. you get uh, items, you get uh, other weapons too that help a lot. But mm-hmm. you have to like endure the first two or three hours of the game without without them, and it can be somewhat difficult it's not too difficult but it can be frustrating because you'll you'll have to try 
to be like a boss, like one of the earlier bosses. Yeah, I, it took me at least half an hour to, to take it out, to take it out, because yeah, it's like really, really, again, not obnoxious or terrible or like too, too hard, but it's like, yeah, frustrating it sometimes. I, I was so that's so, my only gripe. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was kind of hype on it because it's on Game Pass. Uh, and so, you know, the Game Pass, but, greatest deal in gaming. And I, I was like, you know, I, and then you said Souls-like, and even Questbuster in chat says it's got the Souls-like tag on it, and I'm like, yeah. But, 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 and I, I think, like, I haven't checked it out completely, but there's an option on the accessibility page, or options, that mm-hmm. pretty much, like, uh, it's like Bobby Blackwolf mode. Yeah. That you so cannot, I, I think you cannot die. I haven't tried it yet, I don't know how exactly it works, but it's, mm-hmm. it seems like it's like that. Okay. So okay. maybe that You're will Reeling me back a little bit here. <laughs> um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah, no, I've heard other people talk really highly of it, especially when it came out. Uh, it did have a little bit of buzz on, on, on the Twitters and the social medias. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, and, and for people who are listening on the podcast, what I was playing was I was just playing the, the launch trailer is all the video that I was playing, but the manual, everything's in a different language. So it's like you are coming in, you're playing a video game that's in a completely different language that you don't know. So you're also trying to learn the language because there are words on the page and you're trying to decipher it. And I mean, Fez did kind of the same gimmick as well. Uh, but you're, you know, all the text in the game of the items you get, are in this and it's a cipher like it's it's english it's just they're not using english characters but then the entire manual you flip through it like in the game and all the manuals written in that same language so uh i'm sure you could just go to game facts and get the translated versions by now yeah i, I think the language it can be translatable but mm-hmm. it reveal asked do do you need to do ciphers not really the game the manuals actually make like have some notes like the old school mm-hmm. NES uh, manuals mm-hmm. that you sometimes, oh, I got my pen, I'm going to write something here. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the, the contextual clues that the, yeah. the game gives you. Yeah. So you don't need to understand the language to know what you're doing. Okay. So again, the, 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 the whole central mechanic of the game is, is the manual. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually talking about, uh, with, uh, with my co-host uh, who didn't know uh, new English like when he was mm-hmm. a kid. And he had to play stuff like RPGs and didn't know English at all. Yeah, like the manual gave you the contextual clues mm-hmm. to uh, this uh, this weapon does this or this um, option mm-hmm. menu does something. And in talking about that, it's like really reminiscent of that same type of of, yeah. of a nostalgia feel to go through the manual and and discovering more stuff that the yeah. game doesn't tell you. Yeah. Because that's how it was. Like, everybody sits here and tells me, oh, Legend of Zelda, you know, the original Legend of Zelda. Oh, Legend of Zelda, it didn't hold your hand like today's games. It just dropped you in. You didn't know anything to do. No, the manual for Legend of Zelda was 50 pages long. Go look it up. And it held your hand through the first three dungeons. It tells you exactly where to go, what to do. And it literally held your hand over 50 pages. Uh, And it's just nobody read the manual back then. We prided ourselves on never reading the manual. And, you know, obviously now when you play the game, you don't get the manual. So you think Zelda just drops you in and doesn't tell you anything. When it did, it just had a different delivery mechanism in 1986 uh, than, you know, we we have today. 
So uh, Quest Special even says manuals did a lot of work back then. Yes. So I love the idea of the game. It, the Souls-like thing. Everybody's like, what if I made Zelda? But it's a Souls-like, and that's going to be amazing. And a lot of other people are like, yes, that's amazing. And I'm not. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> so, But do give it a try. It's mm-hmm. on Game Pass, so it's like if you have a Game Pass, it's basically free. Yeah. So give it a try, and and maybe it will capture you like it did mm-hmm. for me because – Again, the only gripe is that, and even then, if you mm-hmm. can like endure the the combat system, yeah, you'll get through the game easily. It's like it's not it's not that, uh, so much of a problem later on. Yep. And apparently, you can uh, speed run it in twenty four minutes. I don't think it's a game's done quick this time around. I don't know if it uh, if if it made it in or not. I'm sure somebody submitted it. But all right, thank you so much for your call, Deft. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, so. Coming up next here on the Voice Geeks Network, twitch.tv slash VOG Network is Orange Lounge Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do, even though I don't know, like I don't even know if there's enough to talk about tonight. Uh, all the news was last week. Sacramento, are you there? I am here, but I'll talk about that Zelda story for a minute because um, I, I was just saying I think a lot of people that make that claim about how Zelda was so hard and it doesn't handhold you, I don't think they were alive when the game first came yeah. out. So I don't remember. I mean, I'm not tr- I'm not trying to stereotype generations, but I do think that does happen a bit. Is that you can tell who got their first experience through an emulator, even if that's Nintendo's own emulator package, um, where the manuals aren't quite as in front of you as it was when you know you. You were opening that game box for the first time and the excitement of that manual you know the manual is what you would read home on the drive from or read on the way home uh with the drive from montgomery ward yep. when you pick up the game mm-hmm. so it's it's that's just you know how it goes and also the other part of that was how big the magazine culture was yes like nintendo power was required reading and one of the earliest and i think nintendo fun club before that and i want to say uh episodes or issue six of nintendo fun club which was the last one before they converted to nintendo power i want to say had a full-on map of the second quest of zelda yeah so and there were it was those types of things that you would then read and absorb and share with your friends because the internet wasn't really prevalent then. We yeah. might have been going into the BBS age at that yeah. point, but the internet hadn't really caught on yet. So I, it, it's, um, it, I just thought that was an interesting yeah. you know, take, is that some people kind of forget that the way information was passed around pre-internet was very different, and so you did get a little yeah. more hand-holding than you might think. Yeah. By the way, uh, you're clipping a little bit on the Discord audio, so you may want to turn that down. But while you're looking at that, ZenMonkey11 said, uh, I get what Bobby is saying. He's 100% right thank you so much for that it's the greatest comment you can give me uh but as for me i was that kid that read the manual and enjoyed it i would read the manual before they played the game sometime especially if i couldn't play the game right away or do it being a school night or too late i put it in my backpack and i i would like have the book open that i'm supposed to be reading in the nintendo manual for the nintendo game inside uh that's that's how i got around other people did that with comic books i did it with nintendo games so i read it too um were you a manual reader rob in your oh yeah Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the Nintendo Power and all that, too. And hopefully my audio is getting a little better for you. Please excuse everyone. I'm on a new computer starting tonight. So I know I know it looks the same because the setup's the same and the monitor it's hanging on is the same. But it's a brand new computer. So a lot of things behind the scenes have changed tonight. So it it might be a rough OLR. So please uh, bear with me. Yeah. In advance. Yeah. It is better. I've got I've got a mixer here. I've got to do that too. I still have not moved. I built a new gaming PC, and it's going to become my daily driver. And I just haven't yet because there's so many other things like the mixer and the camera and this microphone and all that stuff I have to move. 
and it's like once I move it, I can't go back and, you know, I've also got to get some longer USB cables because the computer's too far away from everything now. Uh, uh-huh. So, but yeah, that's going to be a rough night too when I move over to to all that stuff. So I it can... might also just be the fact I don't have to lean into the microphone as much as I used to because yeah. on the old setup, it, this microphone was not sensitive at all, or you would hear the entirety of the background noise. You might yeah. remember there was an OLR episode when we first switched. You could hear the entirety, like if a pin dropped on the other side of the yeah. house. So I might just not have to lean into the mic as much as I'm used to doing yeah. um, to be picked up fine. So I got to get used to it as well. Yep. That's the joys of changing the tech stuff. Yes. Just in time for a big birthday that right. I am not going to be here for. Happy birthday to you because it's going to be your birthday Thank next you. week. And yeah, I yes, guess the it, show too, but you know. Yes, it is personally my birthday. It's just yeah. a coincidence. It wasn't really intended that way, but OLR yeah. did happen to start right around um, my birthday. Uh, and OLR celebrates 20 years on air as of June 23rd. Um, and then so we're, we're officially marking that next weekend on Sunday's show. Um, I wouldn't expect a huge over-the-top celebration. We would love to do something in person, but, you know, with the economy the way it is and, and gas and, and yeah. uh, COVID still still a concern, yeah. um, you know, it is what it is, but uh, we'll just do what we've always done, have, have a good time with the peeps here on Sunday. I'm hoping we'll hear from some blasts from the past. Um, I would love to uh, hear, from some, hear from some folks. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I, I actually, for like a couple of years, I was like saying, you know, yeah, no, I'll fly out to Sacramento for the 20th and, you know, you know, we, we would kind of do it up or something and, and just, you know, time has not had that, let that happen and I'm going to Minneapolis for your birthday and I'm not even <laughs> going to be here. I'm going to let you have the stream all to yourself next Sunday. That's my birthday present to you. All right. Fair enough. We'll see. Maybe we'll play something early or something. Go revisit a classic episode yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. And, and and I might and my 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 idea, my plan, because I don't want to let the entire night go with without hearing my my wonderful voice or hearing about me uh, is that uh, I may try to send you a video and I'll let you know if I can or not. I'd love that. I'd um, love that because I'm going to be there would. on Saturday. So I'll be able to shoot some stuff. And then like Sunday afternoon, I might be able to just like edit something and send it to you so I can take over, you know, a couple minutes of your show and be like, hey, I'm at SGDQ here. Yeah, get take some of the other SGDQ people who'd be willing to say hello to somebody. I'm sure they have no idea who we are. But it's it's yeah. all good. Yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do. It's good. It's very early. So like I'm not going to actually know a lot of people at that point. Mm. Like by the end of the week, oh. I'll be getting like bumpers from people. But like that, that'll be like day one. And I won't really know anybody yet. Uh, That's fair. That's yeah. fair. But uh, but yeah. So I'm sorry I can't be here. I look forward to listening to it uh, on my fl- plane ride back on the po- the podcast version because uh, I'll definitely be listening to it. I just won't be uh, listening live unless I'm like really bored, and then I'll call in via Discord on my phone and be like, "Hey, I'm here. Check it out." But we'll see. Awesome. Uh, so uh, this was obviously a huge news week. Could you fit everything into a single episode tonight? What are you talking about? Um, I think I think we'll manage. Uh, so I'm trying to think of some headlines you didn't touch on. Okay, so Final Fantasy VII. We got some yeah. updates in that universe, and we actually found out that we are not getting Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two because they're calling it something else. I think the title is great. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm going to get into some of the reasons why, which yes. might trudge on spoiler tonight. Yes. I, I have to. I have yeah, to talk have about to. it now. 
Um, so I'm going to talk about why that name is appropriate. Um, but I, I will be, I realize some folks may still have not played the game. I'm not going to go all the way in depth. So don't worry. I don't want you to feel like you can't listen, but I, I have to breach a few things yeah. to explain why I think the title is actually really brilliant. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the Capcom uh, things as well. And some not so good news. Um, Halo made a very, very, very bad mistake this week. Mm. And we'll talk about why and what happened. And at least they were quick to fix yeah. it, but yikes. Yep, and I bet my views on Final on the Final Fantasy VII stuff mimic yours because I know we've had this conversation before about where the game ended, uh, the the where remake ended, and uh, so yeah, you're going to have to explain that in order to explain the new game and where it's going. Yep. So I'm I'm right there with you. So if you want to know my opinion, just listen to Rob because I'll probably just agree with him. Orange Lounge Radio is up next I'll and turns it. twenty next week. Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks as always, Bobby. Good night. So uh, that is it for me. I will see you again in two weeks. Hopefully. Maybe three. If Delta doesn't want me to get home in time, it'll be in three weeks. But hopefully I will be back in two weeks, which is July 3rd. It is the night before July 4th, which is a uh, holiday here in the United States. But uh, I'm going to want to talk to y'all on July 3rd. So I'm still going to do a show unless Delta says they're not going to get me home in time to be able to do the show. But I will be at Summer Games Done Quick next week on Monday and on Tuesday, Monday morning, starting at about 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Uh, McDonald's, Treasureland Adventures, Nights into Dreams, The Pathless. So about a three-and-a-half-hour block on Monday morning. And then Tuesday afternoon at about 3.30 in the afternoon Eastern time, uh, t- Tuesday, June 28th, about four hours of Yakuza Like a Dragon and Ichiban Kasuga hitting people. Uh, and uh, hopefully, you know, we get to see all the summons and uh, the speedrunner has to sing karaoke of Baka Mitai. Uh, hopefully, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. So, uh, and I look forward to seeing uh, all the people that I've been working with at SGDQ. And I hope that you enjoy Games Done Quick next week. Uh, if you And if you want to follow and see more of that, uh, Twitter at Bobby Blackwolf or our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. I will be taking pictures and posting pictures and maybe even having a video sent to OLR next Sunday of some of the early stuff. But I will definitely have video about when I come back of what it actually looks like being at SGDQ other than what goes on on the actual stream. So... Uh, yeah, so if you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone the show is not for everybody, but it may be for somebody who does not know about it yet, but we would not make, be able to make all of this work without uh, the support of the chatters that go above and beyond. You being here is really all we ask for. It's really all we all we want. I'm not even going to say need. We just want you to be here and want you to be entertained. But thank you so much to Mike Deft, who resubscribed for 42 months. Life, the universe, and everything sub-month celebration. Thank you so much for all your support uh, for longer than 42 months, but for the 42 months of support on our channel. So uh, I'm going to hit this button, and I'm going to see you all next week. And, uh, you know, I got to say, I did play TMNT Shredder's Revenge, and I just didn't talk about it just despite Tiger Claw, because I mean like that. Sorry, Tiger Claw. I'll see you next week. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.